Okay, let's do a on-air debrief for the Public Domain Variety Show. I'm Arnea. I'm Albert. And I'm Christina. Welcome to Dispatches from Mount Kaz, conversations from a creative community. In this episode, Aranea, Albert, and Christina do a debrief of the Public Domain Variety Show, a recent event hosted at Mount Kaz. They share lessons they've learned about grassroots and amateur event production. Uh, are we doing a postmortem style? Should what we do, do a postmortem style? Well, okay. I don't know what that Context-wise, uh, I think debriefs are really important for events. But I think it's something that we forget to do a lot. Or like it's not, mm-hmm. um, it's not part of like event planning. Yeah. That's not true. Theater people, I don't know. What do you think? How how did you learn how to do debriefs, and where where did that come from for you? Well, I I learned it from the from other events that I had done. Yeah. Uh, postmortems being a thing that things that this happened to when I was working with uh, in some game development stuff, video game development stuff. Um, the production teams would have postmortems and stuff, and so I kind of started seeing that there, and I think it's a common like organizational project management kind of practice and then i continued to see it in uh some of the collaborative art projects and theater projects that i was working in so i borrowed stuff from Mm -hmm. there i want to say that i think we do remember to do it all the time oh i'm not saying we i'm not saying we as as. i'm saying like in general when people think of like i'm gonna put on this event right i don't have any experience with debriefing and i did theater for like seven years Mm. In high mm-hmm. school, um, we didn't do debriefing because yeah. it was community theater. Mm-hmm. So we would like, right. we did all of the prep. And then on the last show, like maybe we talked about, maybe we like had a little powwow before the last show, but that is about the actual like performance mm-hmm. itself. It was like, mm-hmm. make sure your energy is still up for this last show or whatever. And then as soon as the show's done and we've said goodbye to people, we just start tearing down the show. Right. Yeah. And then we go home. Yeah. Or like maybe sometimes we'll go out to a bar. Mm-hmm. as a group but we don't talk about the show so we don't i have never experienced a like dedicated debrief about a thing that i've been a part of mm-hmm. so i wonder if um it's something that tends to be limited to like core teams mm-hmm. or something yeah. like depending on what the level of participation is because i would imagine you know you got a giant like group of actors it's probably not super useful to bring everyone in the same room do it at the same time mm-hmm. um or, you know, maybe that's the excuse. I think it's probably useful for, for even large groups. But, you know, your community theater, you're uh, uh, donating your time or you're volunteering or whatever, mm-hmm. and they might not want to bring everyone into it. But, Which I think is kind of a shame because mm-hmm. I feel like community theater is um, more about education than mm-hmm. maybe other theaters yeah. because a lot of people yeah. don't know all of the stuff about it. And so yeah. I feel like it's an opportunity to teach people about that element of creativity mm-hmm. i'm not sure if every theater company does this kind of stuff either mm-hmm. i just have seen it in the things that i've done and i've, I've implemented it in some of the projects that i've led yeah, yeah. But what about you christina where do you does it come from like your design work um it probably comes from projects and design work and i think the more general idea of like closing something so like um mm-hmm. in game storming um they talk about opening activities and closing activities and like game storming i don't know how to describe it so game game storming is a book 
about how to have meetings that aren't just talking, I guess. Like how to actually involve um, your hands and paper and pen and like other activities to do stuff. So like quote unquote games. Um, but so, but they, so they have a intro of like why why this kind of stuff is useful or important. And they have tips for facilitating this kind of stuff because it is very different than meetings or other things people are really used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say one of the important things is to always have openings and closings. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if, for an example, if you just go into a meeting and say, we're going to have this big brainstorm and everyone gets really excited and brainstorms like a hundred ideas and then you just end the meeting, you've like mm-hmm. opened everyone up to all these ideas, but then you just left them hanging. You like, if you end there, it's actually more deflating right. because then you just have all these ideas in the air and no, no, like no focus or anything. <laughs> so you have to close. You have to, yeah. even if you're not like coming to the answer at the end of the meeting, you have to at least like do some thought voting or like figure out where the energy in the room is or something so that people feel some sense of closing for what they just did so that then in the future they can open again. I have experienced that weird feeling before and I had no idea what that was. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think if you did do, I'm imagining doing a big community theater production and stuff, at least y'all did. And I think that maybe this conversation about closings, right? Like there is something nice about the the dinner after the final performance mm-hmm. and getting to celebrate right. together. I think, I think rap parties mm-hmm. are, rap parties are, are that. that for the yeah. crew. Yeah. But like what else? You don't talk you don't, about the show. Yeah, all, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. I, mean, I don't think it needs to be like very productive right. or useful. Yeah, yeah. I think it is like it can just be an emotional thing yeah. of wrapping up the like just, you know, this way to signal that everything that we're, we just did is coming to kind of some kind of closure. Mm-hmm. And we're getting all, all together to recognize that for a moment before we go our separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also a really useful time to take that opportunity because that's something that's necessary anyway to get together and have some conversation about the project that just happened as well. And it, I mean, it is it is hard for a big group. I was thinking about this mm-hmm. in terms of a variety show. Like it's really easy to get your performers there earlier and have like uh, the pow- like the meeting with the circle up with everyone before mm-hmm. the show. It's really hard to do that at the end. Because people leave early or like you want to like some guests will linger and stuff. Oh, when, um, when we're doing it as a variety show. Right? Yeah, yeah. When there's a larger, larger crew mm-hmm. of folks. I don't think it's the size of the crew, though. It's just the structure of the event. Sure. Like yeah. this is something that's a limitation, I think, yeah. about the casual nature, like the somewhat casual nature of the Madcast stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's also where we're trying to explore what we can do with it, where we're trying to see like, you know, how do we introduce some of the practices that we've learned in these more institutional settings or whatever and bring them into the kinds of things that we can do in their house how do we take all this stuff and apply it to a dinner party or a talent or like you know a a household talent show or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's why we wanted to do a debrief of the public domain variety show at least as the three of us who were working on it and there's like other layers of people who helped out and other layers of people who performed. But in terms of producing the event, maybe mm-hmm. this is like a producer debrief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we, I mean, we could describe the public domain variety show now. We could do it later on. We should talk, we should talk about, yeah, we should start there. We should talk about what it was, where yeah. it came from, like what that process yeah. of what and that's it a was. useful a useful question to ask too. Like, you know, in our heads now, 
like after it's happened after everything that's happened what do we think the show was about mm. Mm. because it's not it's not necessarily aligned even if it's very clear right like and that's and that's okay too yeah. because we all have different perspectives on where we're coming from mm-hmm. but all right yeah you, you it was your idea you created <laughs> the show why don't you give us a little do you, okay was it really my idea because i actually don't think that that's necessarily true mm. i feel like i was the one who was like we should definitely do mm. this but i feel like it was we were two, yeah. yeah i feel like we were talking about it a bunch i actually feel like Maybe you came up with the idea? (laughs) Well, I was talking about the public domain game jam that a Mm. bunch of people Mm -hmm. were doing. My friend was, uh, my friend Randy Lubin was uh, hosting a online public domain game jam that was celebrating 1923's work entering into the public Mm -hmm. domain. I don't remember myself saying, Mm -hmm. let's do a variety show. I don't, and I also don't remember myself like offering it up at first Mm -hmm. so i would like to like maybe relinquish ownership of the whole idea sure but i definitely like took it and ran yeah um so 2019 marked the first year that stuff came into the public domain after like 21 years of not having anything new and so i thought it would be cool if we had a variety show where all of the pieces had to be based off of something that came into the public domain this year so you thought it I did. I thought it would be cool. Oh, right, right. You didn't come up with it. Right. I just didn't come up with it. I was like... I want to give it to you. I, want you, you. I mean... <laughs> she ran away. Ownership is weird. Like, yeah. yeah, I, ran, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I took ownership. Of yeah, yeah. But I didn't, like... The idea is in the public oh, Somebody asked me last night, they're like, do you just have other great ideas? I'm like, that's not how the ideas work. That's like, not how I ideas work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I just had this idea and I was just so genius and we like managed to have it. I feel sure. like we, we talk about stuff sure. that's interesting to us all the time. And then if something feels mm-hmm. interesting enough to one person, they're willing to take it and make something out of it. Um, I still kind of feel like that's what the show was. Yeah. Does it feel different now? It kind of felt in how we framed the show a little bit like an ode to 1923, which is not really the intention and also mm. really difficult to mm. do because after doing research of 1923, we find that 1923 kind of sucked yeah. for a lot of reasons. As those 2019. Especially 100 years from now. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, But it feels weird picking yeah. a specific year and being like, this year was so cool, because that wasn't really the point. Yeah. It was just, yeah, this but, is where the work is from. So, And at the same time, look at like everything that was, like everything now culturally mm-hmm. that is actually pulling directly from that era. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, like uh, flapper culture or whatever, mm-hmm. flapper flat fashion, art deco, prohibition era, speakeasy stuff. Like all of that stuff is like really in vogue now. And no one actually t- talks about the year that that comes from. Yeah. And very few people seem to be engaging with the actual culture and politics of that time and like sort of historical context yeah Yeah. when they when they appropriate those things Mm -hmm. and like like using the word appropriation as like taking from Mm -hmm. this this period these people whatever Mm -hmm. um without heavy or without critical thought about like where it's coming from yeah so like the the aspect of like having a speakeasy Mm -hmm. without thinking about the fact that like prohibition and speakeasies like really raised crime sure yeah. Which was referenced in that Oregon like article mm-hmm. about how because of speakeasies and prohibition, like mm-hmm. because of prohibition, and then because right. of speakeasies, like there was a rampant wave of crime because mm-hmm. you had all of these gangs that were like, yeah, yeah, and this yeah, idea that like and, I mean, the idea of the prohibition itself, mm-hmm. right, and like and and mm-hmm. uh, criminal prosecution and stuff yeah. or deterrence to et cetera, yeah, and, and all of that stuff, you know, was not great. 
Yeah. But right. now we're just like, oh, speakeasy. Right, right, right. Secret. right. It's, engage, yeah. it's engaging with the parts that are easy or like mm-hmm. it, like sparkly without um, engaging with the like. What did you feel like the, the show was a show of? Um, I think the show was pretty much what we said it was. <laughs> like okay. a variety yeah. show of pieces inspired by works from 1923. Or that were made in 1923 and recently released in the public mm-hmm. domain. And I liked how some of the pieces just used straight up music or text or video from the mm-hmm. era. And some pieces like took that as, ins- or some people took that as inspiration and like did their own version of something or like created something new from that. I actually, when we, we started talking about the idea, I wasn't that interested in it until, and it was like much later. I was also busy, but I think it was like much later until I like actually looked at the stuff that was coming out of 1923 that mm-hmm. I got excited. <laughs> when you, when you just say it, I think there's this general like, oh yeah. Nothing okay. from that era is relevant. No, or, not like, like that. Just like it's the non-specificity of that. My uh-huh. brain has nothing to latch on to. Gotcha. Um, but once you start saying like Lovecraft and Robert Frost and Felix the Cat mm-hmm. and Charleston and like, then your brain is like, oh, okay. There's some, like, there is stuff here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But once you, if you like the original pitch. It's this number. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think, I think another part of it is that it, it seems like we're really good at obscuring like what time periods mm-hmm. mean. You know, like all of these things, Charleston, Felix Cat, you know, all the, like these all these novels and poets and stuff, we've like pulled them out of context yeah. and uh, and now they kind of just float like outside mm-hmm. of time for us. Right. Yeah. And like Char- and, that, and that empties out like the meaning of what the, of what nineteen twenty-three, you know, as yeah. a, as a number yeah. means. Um, but then we're collapsing that together when, yeah. we, when we're examining it this way. Yeah, it's cool to look at it within the year because when we were doing research of like the year of Oregon in like 1923 mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, all you get is this laundry list of like mm-hmm. mostly terrible things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But like all also... of this, but all of this art came out of that year. Yeah. yeah. So like, there's also all of these artists making these really poignant things, and like some of it doesn't hold up to the sands of time, but some of it like still feels very relevant Mm -hmm. that was an interesting so i was looking up the history of oregon in 1923 to use in our land acknowledgement that we typically do before our events um to think about like what and who have who has come before us on the land that we're inhabiting and the space we're we're caretaking um and it was interesting because that website that i found or that link i found was on the Secretary of State's page, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was very much a history context. Um, and I was thinking about that in terms of how historically trying to reduce a year down to a mm-hmm. few pages means you highlight all the big, mm-hmm. big stuff that's happening. And in this case, it was a bunch of terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like you were saying, there's a lot of art that came out of it. A lot of babies were born, a lot of like, yeah lives were lived right um and i was thinking about that in terms of like oh 2019 is gonna be very similar like the Mm -hmm. history books are gonna like highlight all the terrible stuff that's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and at the same time babies are being born artists being made like um it was interesting that that i think that that is actually like it's a an art framing versus a history framing and how those Mm -hmm. things become very separated maybe like what you were saying albert Mm -hmm. right like how we've uh taken all this art and like taking it out of the historical context yeah, yeah. when you think of charlie chaplin i don't think of that era yeah. even though like a lot of his work is responding to and of that era mm-hmm. right yeah. 
Um, yeah. and, you know, any anyone who's like actually paying attention to a lot of cult, like art and stuff from that time mm-hmm. is gonna be like, See it, oh, yeah. I knew all that stuff already. Yeah. But like, I, I think for so many people, all of our mm-hmm. audience members and us, you mm-hmm. know, like we don't pay that much attention mm-hmm. to it most of the time. When I was making, trying to make a piece, which didn't really come together in the, with the ideas that I that I was trying to get to, um, but I was watching a Felix the Cat film. Mm-hmm animated it was called felix result revolts or something like that <laughs> felix the cat revolts mm-hmm. and so the actual like i don't know if you actually looked through yeah. the cards that i had but basically what happens is felix the cat is like digging through some trash and he's like there's no food for me and then he goes and like tries to get food from like various local businessmen in town and they're like no get the fuck out of my house so then he goes to town hall and they're like the cats suck get all the cats out of here and so and so he, he calls up all the cats and they have a, they they go on strike he's holding up the sign that says strike uh-huh. uh, <laughs> the yeah. frames that you printed out yeah so they so the cats go on strike and then they call in the uh they call in the rats and like uh-huh. they do a bunch of damage and like, the townspeople are like Oh, we need the cats back. <laughs> and and you know, I was looking up, uh, like I was looking that up at the same time as I found out that in 1923 in L.A. Uh, there was the San Pedro Maritime strikes mm-hmm. that were um, uh, headed by the International Workers of the World, the I.W.W. And uh, Upton Sinclair was a like uh, a figurehead of that. He at some point went up and like read in public the First Amendment, uh, like read the the terms of the uh, the terms of the First Amendment and was arrested for doing that mm. because because the government you know the police and the and also working hand in hand with the Ku Klux Klan were shutting down these yeah. tricks. Yeah. So like these are these were happening in tandem and mm. that was the context that led to Felix the Cat being or that that particular Felix the Cat wow. story being made. And I, you know, yeah. I wanted to kind of put that in somehow. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's hard. And oh, also, yeah. like, yeah. one of the weird things I felt with this show is, like, how to frame it. Mm. Yeah. Because it felt easy to just be like, everyone has to create works from 1923, but, like, how mm-hmm. do you frame the show? Mm-hmm. And we, we had, I felt like together we kind of had a hard time, like, figuring out how much of, like, how much of this is a history lesson how much mm-hmm. of this is uh, a copyright lesson and how much of this is like, let's just encourage people to be fun, creative. And I mm-hmm. felt like all of those were very important, right. but all together felt very like muddled. Right. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so? Well, I feel like it's, uh, I feel like it's maybe hard for somebody to look through all of the work from 1923 from a creative standpoint, just to find something that inspires yeah. them after you've given them a huge, like, this is why copyright sucks and this is why like all of this stuff is terrible and we need to make a like maybe maybe implying that their piece should have some sort of statement Mm -hmm. behind it right Right, right. which is not necessarily like right so it's hard to not that we did any of that we didn't like force people or do any of that but it's hard to like frame how to do something like this it was interesting because for me the show and the framing was about let's look through this cool stuff and Mm -hmm. see what we can make yeah um for me the copyright stuff was sort of the like side framing of the show Mm -hmm. of like we can give people some context about how copyright has evolved over Mm -hmm. the years and why it's getting that why corporations have made it harder and harder for mm-hmm. stuff to get into the public domain because they're trying to protect their stuff and how that, you know, ultimately in our 
mind's limits creativity mm-hmm. and what you can do with stuff. Yeah. That was sort of felt like the framing, like, mm-hmm. look at this variety show, look at all we can do with stuff in public domain, let's, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. work together. Which I, which I yeah. thought was important, too. A yeah. lot of people were like, why are you doing this this year? Why are you doing this now? And right. I was like, well... Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the year. Yeah, well, and, and, and because the, this is the year, then it felt important to like talk about the mm-hmm. copyright yeah. law and politics. Yeah. Right. Well, but I was gonna say that the, the history stuff was a surprise to me. Like uh-huh. I wasn't expecting, and that maybe that's the bias I had that like art and history have been so divorced in right. my head uh-huh. and the context. Right. But like I wasn't. It was a pleasant surprise to yeah. like come out of this with so much more historical mm-hmm. context. Yeah. yeah. But how do you like do all of this research and like figure out what to use? For right. an evening, right? Yeah. I felt like that was well, so difficult for me. It was interesting because mm-hmm. that was our role as mm-hmm. the producer mm-hmm. of the event, right? Like for the performers, right. it really was just like, look at this go cool stuff, fun. go have fun. And that happened, right? Yeah. Like uh, Caitlin, who wrote a piece, she she had took a Lovecraft short story and... Um, changed a changed few words as, that she yeah. did to make it a from a creepy, suspenseful story to a dreamy, romantic story. Yeah. Which was awesome. And and she said thank you because this writing prompt was inspiring and helped her get out of a creative rut, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she made a zine and she did the reading and she wrote a thing. Um, so, like, I felt like that for the performers was, was the focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, but for framing of the show, yeah, and yeah. you were trying, you were having to write the MC yeah. stuff. <laughs> I'm sure. It was I was like, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to put in here. Yeah, I was like hard. <laughs> I, I was thinking. I, I kept trying to think about all of those things at mm-hmm. once when I was trying. When I was thinking about what mm-hmm. I wanted to do for the collage table, because for me, it wasn't enough to just do yeah, the material. Fun, I yeah. needed to like wrap all that it, up, and it made it so it hard. It feels like I a missed of, opportunity to not include right. it. Well, right. and that's yeah. why I needed to do the infographic mm-hmm. right. because I know that it wasn't going to be. We weren't going to have like that much time and attention live mm-hmm. to give people information about mm-hmm. how copyright has changed yeah. mm-hmm. and i wanted people to see like how it's changed from like the first copyright laws which were you something isn't copyright for 14 years and you have the option to renew it for another 14 years to like now which is like 95 years or a life of the author plus 75 years yeah, it's <laughs> it like, like ridiculous and even those numbers don't mean anything so i made these like paper chains where each chain was a year and just strung them up so they could see the difference mm-hmm. um, and how ridiculous it is now. Yeah. Um, because I knew that we needed to put that in, whether via like handouts or like mm-hmm. stuff that people could look at or like other ways around the show. Yeah. Because I, don't, I didn't think we could like just tell people that stuff yeah. and have it sink in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but I, I don't think that the contributors were feeling that kind of that kind yeah, of way. Right. And they, well, yeah, and, and, and that's just that true was... because I I didn't end up I couldn't because I was focused on that I couldn't create another piece that was just mm-hmm. like make something fun yeah. <laughs> out of all this cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I felt like I couldn't make anything either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were thinking about at one point you were like maybe I'll perform well, and then the yeah, there was like an do. idea I had yeah. that just had like just because it happened in the process of researching it. But like I went through and I was like, maybe I should like look at this list and like see if there's something that comes out to me and everything came out to me for like context and history. And I'm like, I can't do anything mm. with it. I don't yeah, know yeah, what to yeah, do with it. Yeah. It's just cool that it's here. Like yeah, yeah. I had no, I didn't feel like I could do anything with it. So that's interesting. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. The additional part of the event was 
that I was really excited that we were going to have a Mount Kaz event that you were like kind of taking uh, <laughs> a leadership role in. Yeah. You know, like that's really important to me as a Mount Kaz development, you know, on the meta level mm -hmm. that we have events that aren't just Christina and I led. Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of that, which, um, you know, because of that, I wanted to give as much freedom to you as possible, Arnea, mm -hmm. to uh, build the events and, and bring things together. And I, I think it's really exciting that it happened. I'm really proud of uh, all of us for being able to, uh, to make that happen that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for the next event that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because this was the first event. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I like, I legitimately didn't know what to do at yeah. a lot of points. Right. And so I felt like I needed a lot of help and that, um, like I ran the event, but like you guys <laughs> helped so much. It doesn't, it doesn't feel to me like I necessarily ran the event. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I don't actually feel like you guys got a break <laughs> from running an event because I didn't know anything that I was doing. You mean during the event itself or just... During, like, the, the lead up, I felt like oh. I had, like, a billion questions and I was always like, how do we do this? Well, we had friends that, we... like, you were, you were doing, you were doing a production, event production internship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So, right? you know, yeah. we knew so, that was happening. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm, like, I'm really excited for the next one where I know how to do all of the steps and I don't have to, like, rely on you guys and you guys can actually mm -hmm. take a break so from as the a... event every now and then. Right. Right. So as a debrief question, both mm -hmm. for you to codify it in your head of what you learned and also for us, if someone else approaches us and is like, mm -hmm. there's this idea, let's make it happen mm -hmm. so that we could do that same scaffolding mm -hmm. of like, here's how we run events. Like what was helpful or what did you learn? Uh, what did I learn? And what did we learn? I mean, like, we and what have, do we, we learn? Have, yeah, we, like, have yeah. Answer, we have a responsibility to answer here as well. Mm -hmm. um, what are things to tell people? I feel like however difficult it is for you guys as as the mentor i feel like it's actually really important to be as like vocally positive as possible mm -hmm. um yesterday it was really disheartening when i showed up and Sorry. you're like i have no energy and i was like oh no if our doesn't have any energy how am i gonna do this like but it was like it was totally fine the point is that it was totally fine and you didn't actually have to have a ton of energy mm -hmm. for it to happen because yeah. everything happened yeah. and everything was fine and we weren't like like nothing was a problem but i felt really worried for a mm -hmm. second i was like oh no like i don't actually know what to do how how did you need that coach like, in the corner Albert doesn't have any energy <laughs> how am i going to ask him a billion questions in like the two minutes that we have before people show up right um and so i felt like a little overwhelmed at that moment yeah. But it was also really great because, like, you didn't have any energy, so but the show was still stuff. great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's a for sure sign that, like, you have the ability. You you, know, you, you have the ability, yeah, right? Like, like you are and like, I have the ability to do it I because have... you don't need my help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is dumb. We can cut this out. Yeah. I, we did not only have two minutes before the show. We had, yeah. like, two hours. <laughs> no, we did. But, like, <laughs> Which is like... <laughs> I feel like we were doing stuff that whole time. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. you know, I feel like the only downtime we had was when, like... It was 5.30 and uh, performers were arriving, but none of them actually had any tech to do. Yeah, and we're yeah. like, oh, okay, this isn't... Um, that felt like the only downtime because we were already ready by that point. But I felt like up to that point, we were printing and cutting and cleaning and mm -hmm. getting stuff up. But I didn't feel like I could like lean on you as much as maybe yeah. Nervous Me wanted to. So, which is both good and bad. Yeah. What yes. was stuff that you had questions about of like, how does an event happen? I had no idea how to promote an event. Uh, and that would be something that would be like super neat to be taught because I've watched you guys do it 
however many times. I knew flyers got made. I knew you told people about it. I knew sometimes it was annoying, like, how much you told people about it. Like, annoying to you guys, uh, how much time you spent. But I had no, like, real, real knowledge of, like, when does that stuff go out? When do you make it? Legitimately, how often do you tell people, like, oh, by the way, there's a show like, happening? All the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we, Christina and I both have different philosophies on that, too. Mm-hmm. So it kind of happens in different ways. Yeah. So I, I had no context about that. There was also the hurdle of, uh, in my normal day to day life, I really don't like bothering people that much. I feel like mm-hmm. when it comes to events, I am a little bit of a type A where I like, these are my steps and this is the rules and we're going to do all of it and it's going to be very polished. But like when you are trying to get performers, mm-hmm. there has to be like leeway, mm-hmm. right? Like Spencer sent me the video the morning of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's fine. <laughs> in my head I was like oh my gosh why don't I have this but on like honestly everything was fine so it's knowing how much to bug performers right, how much yeah, to yeah. bug people but right. also how much chill to have yeah, yeah, yeah. about it and how much chill to have about like RSVPs and yeah and this was interesting because for your first event this mm-hmm. was quite complicated because <laughs> yeah. it was a variety yeah. show with yeah. kind of like how we don't do that that often do, yeah like, it's like it, it's a lot of work whenever it was I when you're when you're corralling when you're hurting mm-hmm. captain corralling performers yeah. yeah yeah but it was the only one i was excited about it, but it, it i knew it was thing. great and you mm-hmm. created and it was cool that you created a show that included friends from out of town and mm-hmm. people here I mean, I don't think it's necessarily better to start with something easy. That's true. Right? That's true. Like it's actually because because like it's even though it was complicated, it's not like you weren't able to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll also at the same time, you have you have support from us when yeah. I'm not depressed. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know that you can do something yeah. of this yeah. nature. Like right. easier mm-hmm. ones will be easier. Um, yeah, I think well, I'm saying uh, it to give you credit for yeah. like this was yeah. your first event, and it was like this is not an easy event to pull yeah. off. Yeah. So gracefully, you know. So you talked about like, uh, I I just want to like kind of put a finer point on it, I Mm -hmm. guess, that you talk about doing this and knowing that you can handle it yourself. Mm -hmm. But really, the only reason that Christine and I are able to do things is because we, you know, lean on other people. Mm -hmm. And that when you like, you know, graduating from the internship or whatever Mm -hmm. is not becoming someone who does the thing independently but learning actually how to collaborate with people better, mm-hmm. right? Because the, because, you know, debrief processes like itself, you know, is something that, that you do when there's people working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in any, in, in like all, you know, like in all cases, events and performances and productions like this kind of thing are about the collaboration mm-hmm. of it and how to collaborate well together. And ask for help. And, and communicate. There's, and, and there's definitely yeah. a mental shift mm-hmm. that, that happens though because last night when Sarah left I thanked her for helping so much and she's like I don't feel like I did anything Mm -hmm. and I was like oh no (laughs) absolutely not you did you did you did all of the things that you needed to do yeah that was very helpful did you feel that way in previous events yeah Yeah, like you guys thanked me and Sarah for the wonder conference I'm like I have no idea what I did (laughs) I I brought a camera I don't know what I did to help with it like it doesn't feel like so much yeah and yeah like it doesn't feel like that so I think it's good to be on the side of to know yeah. actually how helpful that is mm, yeah and to like be more gracious with the the thanks mm. in that case because mm. you when you know how valuable something is when somebody says thank you you don't brush it off as like i really yeah. didn't do anything yeah you know yeah i mean like we are definitely super appreciative <laughs> when anyone helps us out on uh that, you know is just there to to even want to help you know like yeah. knowing that like you like you know when i was not being very supportive uh, when you arrived, mm-hmm. um, 
like even that is an example, saying right? that, but yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't. Think okay, sorry. That's so uh, yeah. uh, when I was when I was not feeling uh, you energetic, lower energy, yeah, yeah. Lower. Just, um, yeah. when when you arrived, mm -hmm. like the difference that that makes, mm -hmm. right? Like you know, and we flip it, uh, you know, we look at the other side of it, and like having someone who has energy, regardless of what they're doing, mm -hmm. uh, in support, like just having the presence of people who are who are showing a willingness to help and, and, and energy toward uh, toward that is like, really, really important. Yeah. And yeah. that is totally worth thinking, even if they do nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Are there any other things that we want to talk about in terms of like what we would say to to other people? Wait, wait, was that a meta question or was that meta a question? Yeah, because you were you were saying, you know, you're asking Arne about her intern lessons, but also Oh yeah, I think they're point of view? like it's starting to help us articulate mm -hmm. the way we do events. Yeah, which I think partly is uh, gratifying because I think a lot of this stuff is invisible yeah. when mm -hmm. it's done well. But there is a craft to producing events that we mm -hmm. have honed, like Albert and I have honed through as like individuals and together. Um, and there's a way that Mountcast stuff happens, which I think is nice to be able to share. Well, and maybe, and there's like, there's stuff around craft that's just like, here are best practices about how to make an event happen and like promote it well and have enough prep time to get your tech set up and how to do the room. But there's also stuff that is also related to our values of humanness, I guess. <laughs> I'm thinking about like the idea of feeding all the performance before mm -hmm. the show mm -hmm. yeah. and promoting it by just like, and this is learned from other people too. Like yeah. Chris texts people individually when shows are about to happen and just lets them mm -hmm. know. And like doing that in addition to like the mass emails and the flyers right. and stuff, because we know that 50% will be people who are in the show <laughs> and then 30% will be people we know. And then maybe a handful of strangers mm -hmm. and yeah. we know that and that's what we want. And so the promotion for that is a lot different mm -hmm. than the people who keep emailing us to the Malcaz email and be like, we saw you have an event, right? Thing up do you want to like promote it <laughs> like you uh, want uh, us to like help you promote side, it yeah. uh, <laughs> right, because, and we're like no <laughs> well, I, think, I think like what you're saying about the more human side of it like what i think about is uh, is about shifting what success looks like yeah in this mm -hmm. case yeah. right i think like you know it's it's awesome when we have uh great performances and like a cool event and the audience is happy and you know, sometimes we get some donations, but obviously money isn't the point here. Mm -hmm. um, and even to some degree, especially because we talk about doing kind of like trashy um, <laughs> uh, DIY, you know, garage aesthetic a lot. Even like having the audience feel totally transformed or whatever is not a strong measure of success for us. A lot of times the highest goal is do does the crew and do the performers feel like they got something like got a good experience mm -hmm. do they feel like they've contributed to something do they feel like they had an opportunity to do something that they might not otherwise not have and have we created a space for that well do we feed them well so that they feel energized and can and put their best foot forward do they feel like their performance has a kind of a um energy and presence that uh that you know that they have room to to offer um and you know on a, on a slightly broader scale have we pushed a little bit what it means to create a performance and like what a venue looks like. I think those are kind of our, our higher values in terms of what 
we determine success to be. I just I want to like reiterate that because for me I think the success is in that aspect the the aspect of if someone who hadn't created something before or who yeah. hasn't been creating recently has found some inspiration to do something because mm-hmm. of this thing we've put on mm-hmm. like that's a win to me and relatedly I think if anyone who is at the show feels like oh, this is a cool thing you're doing in your house and like their world view of stuff starts to shift a little, like that's mm-hmm. a win. It almost doesn't matter what the content of the yeah. things we do here. Yeah. Like those are consistently for me, yeah. like what the markers of success are. Yeah, sure. And this yeah. is what I think we're talking about when we when we're talk, when we say craft isn't the part that's important, mm-hmm. you know, and mastery isn't important because we're not trying to create a situation that allows for the very best thing to happen. Mm-hmm. We're merely trying to create a situation where the experience of making something can be had yeah. <laughs> or the, or like, you know, the, um, um, a, a self idealization or whatever mm-hmm. of, of being a creator can be, uh, broadened and shared to more people mm-hmm. because yeah, I mean, this is, I think and this is central to like a philosophy of like bottom up progress rather than yeah. like, you know, top down efficiency or whatever like we want to make more people who believe that they can do stuff who have competencies and confidence rather than a handful of people who are able to do things super well this is making me realize this is might be why i've been balking a little bit at or like recognizing where my limits are in the scope and size of the events we produce because i don't think it takes very much to like Mm. create the conditions where those things happen and the bigger we make our events what you get is it it's harder and more tiring for us to put them on Mm. or like whoever our crew is for putting them on Mm -hmm. and those returns don't feel linked to me right like it's it's not worth it to me to to like transform our entire house because yeah because all you need is one hour yeah. where somebody got the opportunity to make something that they might not have made and yeah. somebody got the opportunity to see the space and be like wow what is possible and it has to maybe part of it too is like it has to be small enough or like accessible enough that they feel like they can do it themselves too mm-hmm. if it does become big if it becomes like a week-long mansion-sized yeah. thing someone else saying like oh i want to put on an event at mount kaz that becomes less less reachable right yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's both, though. I mean, like, there is no one one no. size yeah. that is the right size. Yeah. But for me, when I think about doing more elaborate events, what is exciting in those cases is partially that I get to challenge myself sure. yeah. to push the boundaries of what I think I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, so in those cases, it's a, it may be a little less on the... Um, I don't know. I guess I'm contradicting myself, like what I said That's earlier. Right. But well, you would do it things, in you would you know? do it in a trash aesthetic. Maybe, but, I mean, like, <laughs> but, like, but but the point being that like um, that all the things that I'm trying to uh, that I believe that we we can offer to the audience members or to onlookers and what we can inspire in other people, we can inspire ourselves too, yeah. right? That we are doing small things to inspire people is not saying that big things are not worth doing. It's merely saying that anyone can do any size thing that they want to, provided they have energy and support and time and space and all that stuff. So, so we, we do it in different scales because I think different things also inspire different people. You know, I think there's like, it's fine if all we want to inspire is more potlucks and that those are great 
and also there are you know like it's going to inspire different people in different ways if they see something big or something small so i guess i just don't want to do scale for scale's sake which sometimes we yeah do. yeah i do recognize the the energy shift that mm-hmm. happens how was um energy and time like for you in terms of putting that on this event was it like what you expected Up or to what point i don't know prepping for it it was actually better than I expected. Um, I was actually really surprised at how much calmer I was mm. for this event. Mm-hmm. I was doing stuff the day of, and normally the, I would be very upset about that. But I like I had planned it out that way. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? It's Thursday. The event's on Saturday. Um, I know I have all of this stuff to do, but I know I have time tomorrow, and I know I have time Saturday morning because I don't have to show up anywhere until like 4.30 or 5, so... <laughs> Yeah, I've got time. I'm going to go out for the evening and stuff, you know, which normally I wouldn't feel comfortable doing. For the last variety show that we did, all I did was perform. Mm-hmm. And I felt way more stressed out about that. Like, just unbelievably, yeah. like, nervous and stressed about it. And the morning of, I'm, like, cutting out cardstock and making signs. And I'm like, this is great. We're going <laughs> to put on a show. It's going to be awesome. Like, so... I was very pleasantly surprised mm. because I assumed that taking on more responsibility mm. meant that mm. I would have a much harder time managing my anxiety, but it turns out I just needed a different kind of like outlet to <laughs> perform than, right. than like going to an event that someone else has made and like mentally having an image of what their level is at and hoping that it matches. I made the show. So I know what the level's at, <laughs> right. and I know that yeah. I've met it. And you know all so, the performers. And I know all the performers, and I know all the stuff they're doing. And, yeah. and so I, I, like, know kind of what's going to happen, yeah. sort of, except not really, because there's still plenty of stuff that was cool that I that was unexpected. So it was good. When Maybe I, it's because I had more control. Going <laughs> Now, going backstage is, is, is fun. Yeah. <laughs> Being behind the curtain is like... It's not my experience with uh, community theater. Uh, though, because, like, with community theater, nobody's, like pulling all the weight that should be pulled there's mm-hmm. always stuff falling through the cracks right. so you're you're a stage manager but the person who was supposed to get your props definitely didn't mm-hmm. and as a stage manager you're also supposed to be in charge of all the actors on their entrances and at exits and this one guy is kind of an alcoholic and never showed up for any rehearsals <laughs> no. and so like you have to like just pay attention to where he's at at all times and like i always i always felt like running a show was more stressful mm-hmm. than being in it yeah that's a good point i think that that size collaboration is very, mm-hmm. very hard to, to pull off. And maybe that is a scale that, that I don't really feel like preaching, <laughs> yeah. you know, no matter how much I do. Stuff. Yeah. But maybe okay. Something that I learned in, when I was doing some improv after college, uh, and, you know, those were like the first times I'd ever done any stage kind of performances. Mm-hmm. I didn't do theater or anything. And something that people would tell me is that, like, you know, you're like the anxiety like the the performance anxiety is always going to be there mm-hmm. you just get better at like dealing with it you know yeah. and then you like look back and it's like there's so many things in your life that actually like teach you the same lesson it's like mm-hmm. not that you stop getting scared of stuff it's just that you know how to manage it mm-hmm. because like so and i think that's that's similar for us here and every event that we do we are usually like anxious and nervous about something but there are a lot of techniques because we've had some experience with it to say oh well I'm just feeling anxious. It's not actually because anything is wrong. Yeah. Things are going to be yeah. fine. We're going to, you know, so we have those ways to tell ourselves, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to step back from the edge and say, like, yeah. okay, well, you know, there's going to be five people there. That's enough to have a good show. You know, everything, like, no one's going to hate us for not doing <laughs> Like, all those things we can say yeah. because we've done enough of them to get there. Yeah, I was thrilled at the turnout. 
because there was like 22 people at the max. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, great. That's perfect. We can't fit any more people in this room. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. <laughs> we filled up every seat. Exactly. <laughs> and people showed up and I had no idea who they were. And I was like, hooray. Yeah. How'd you even find this? <laughs> yeah, that's always success. Yeah. I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, for us, another big part of it is like, getting some people that we don't know <laughs> which i was um because it's a home venue we don't put our address on stuff so we always do need some kind of rsvp system if people haven't been here before. if people haven't been here before and so we usually have done like an event right um or google form this was the first time we've done it where it was just like rsvp to this email address if you want to come and i wasn't sure that was going to work or not because we did get people who were interested who never rsvp'd and I can see, I can understand that barrier of like, I don't know where this is. It's someone's home, but I'm weird out. Like something about mm-hmm. Eventbrite makes it feel like safer or something. Yeah. But people still came, which is great. I think there has been a shift where we know enough people where we know the room will be decently full mm-hmm. with just performers and like friends. So even if there were no strangers, it would have been fine. I mean, that's the that's the benefit of the variety show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is like, that's the that's one of the key, like, uh, uh, secrets to it. You do yeah. it partially because people bring themselves. Yeah. If you, have, <laughs> if you have nine performers, you have nine people in the audience. Yes. Plus, like, one yeah. or two per. Yeah. I was yeah. a little worried because I was like, oh, man, I, I filled up half of a show with people who don't live right. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, did I just mess up? <laughs> but, but it was like, a good, uh, I think halfway through, Albert reminded me that, he was telling you this, but he was a reminder to me too that I used to say like in the Bay Area, especially when it was really hard to get people to show up and stuff. My whole philosophy was like, I'm going to put on an event and like do it with a friend or two. And even if no one shows up but us, it will still be good because yeah. <laughs> we'll just have time to hang out together. Yeah. And so like, and that was definitely our philosophy early mm-hmm. on. Or just like, I mean, I still think about it every time we yeah. do something. Well, and I, I think I forgot about that. Because um, I was worried. Because I was like, oh, no, all these people from out of town, they don't, they can't even invite their friends. Yeah, Who's going to yeah. come to this thing? And we're trying this new RSVP thing. Yeah. Um, but I was like, if no one shows up, it's the three of us hanging out, watching these videos, and that'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But then um, we had, like, five performers that were yeah. there. And so it was the three of us plus five. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that's fine. fine. And then there's, like, you know, the two people who had like told us from the get-go that they were going to be there. We're like, sweet. Yeah. And Sarah's there to help. Yeah. And Cameron's, of course, And Cameron's coming for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. And so we're like, all right, that's... Yeah. That's, that's enough. That's, that's the room's gonna be you know. too hot already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's hilarious, right? Because when that's, our, when that's like your kind of uh, uh, threshold of what it takes to like be satisfied, you know, mm-hmm. crew and performers, like everything that you get beyond that just feels like great. Amazing. Yeah, it feels great. It's, it's really exciting. <laughs> Hallie came. She brought somebody. That's yeah. great. Oh, that's so cool. So, so it's happy. all about setting low expectations. Yeah. I mean, I think that's <laughs> that a joke. you can walk over. <laughs> that's totally a joke, but that's totally a Mount Kev, like how we make events. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like we definitely, that like goes into a lot of the right. decisions yeah. we make in that invisible craft mm-hmm. of producing events because mm-hmm. like, that is the way we do this. Yeah. I don't think it's a universal piece of wisdom, but I think it is uh, something that's really radical in our in like the current time that we're in, mm-hmm. right? In a world where it feels like things have to be really polished before they're worth sharing, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to display a ethos of being satisfied with enough. Like three of us is enough. Yeah. And to be satisfied with that means that you can really be appreciative of everything that we have beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and I think that is a primary message of Matt Kaz. Yeah. It's like we have we have a house. 
that's enough. Like anything mm-hmm. that we get to do here is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that keep that helps us stay grateful. And that's really yeah. important. That's a good segue because uh, I one thing I wanted to talk about was Albert's energy level yesterday. Because um, mm-hmm. you were in a low state and that was all day. And I've also been sort of tired and a little burnt out. Um, so I was also low energy. So it was like if I was a little bit tired, but Albert was his normal like producer self jumping over chairs it would have been like fine and then like that fe- that same feeling yeah. of like oh no Albert's not here it's hard and it made yesterday harder oh. but after the event wrapped up and after y'all left and after you helped clean up a little bit me and Albert were talking and I was just expressing a little bit of that mostly just that like that was hard for me like harder than I was wanting it to be um, because I did feel like I have to step up a little bit in like some of the shepherding producing stuff but it was also and then like the the thing I remembered was I read this thing one time where someone was talking about doing creative art um even through ups and downs of like mental health issues or Mm -hmm. physical health issues and the value of just continuing to do stuff even if you aren't a hundred percent or like don't have the enthusiasm and motivation that you might like ideally want to have and this person was saying that in doing that and trying to practice that they would like went back and read the stuff they wrote when they were feeling low and the stuff they wrote when they were feeling like great and really motivated and it was like all like not too different in terms of like value or quality mm-hmm. and what we talked about last night was just like it was fine and people had a great time because I was like I was worried that I, we didn't have the right energy for the performers and welcoming people mm-hmm. and like doing all of the stuff that we normally do as hosts because I didn't have the emotional energy to like feel really welcoming or doing that in the ideal way mm-hmm. but it was a good reminder of like it was still fine mm-hmm. <laughs> it was still like it probably wasn't as bad as I'm th- worried about it being like actually I think we did all of the things that we normally do yeah you know, we did, we, we fed people and we welcomed people in and we did the circle up at the beginning. We did all those things. Mm-hmm. It just felt like they were inadequate or something. Right. Because yeah. we weren't, we, we, well, because we weren't able to be yeah. as present, maybe. Right. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and I was saying to you, you know, I was, I was upfront with everyone yeah. that like my energy was low and, you know, and um, I just wasn't going to like give a positive face all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually like my, my mood got a lot better over the course of time because I think part of what was happening was I didn't like haven't had enough people around me all week. Yeah. And so like having a bunch of people in the house uh, picked up my mood a bit. Gotcha. But by being able to be upfront about it, I think I was able to see that we were still doing everything. Yeah. I was just being kind of poopy like the whole time. <laughs> Whereas you were talking about Christina and I think it was valiant, like you were talking about trying to practice your resilience through it and like bring a positive face to uh, and uh, bring a positive energy. I think what I felt that I was missing from you was less of the energy, like less mood energy mm-hmm. and more just like normally I can count on Albert to have two of us or three of us like with the checklist in our head. Mm-hmm. I think you were like solo energy. You became more support role. Mm-hmm. you didn't have the checklist mm-hmm. you weren't going to be able to delegate mm-hmm. because you fine. were yeah which ended up being fine but and i think that's the because was yeah. there to be a, another, yeah. Yeah, um what this reminded me of is uh one of the things that i probably could have learned a little faster with prepping the event is being the face of the event mm-hmm. from the get-go and i feel like you guys tried <laughs> <laughs> but there were plenty of times where i 
like maybe at the art and science show, I was like, okay, mm. they've said we're going to talk about this. I'm like, all right, I'm, I am prepared for Albert to like point at me and be like, talk about this. But that didn't happen. And I didn't know how to like take the reins and be like, no, no, I want to like say mm. the thing. I want to say the spiel so that everyone like gets the thing. And I felt like it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe the week. It of, was the, yeah, it was the Graphic Novel Book Club. Well, no, yeah. you took it. You didn't let you her still, do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you still took it. And I was like, okay, I guess we're... Well, but the week of, I kept being like, here are flyers. Yeah. So you're going to talk to you're people. Like, like, you need to yeah. talk to people. Like, I was like, oh, Christina right. brought flyers so she can talk about it. And you're like, no, no, you're going to talk about it. <laughs> you're going to take this to Gamagora and you're going to yeah. like... No, Christina stuff, kept poking me good. about it. I, I was like, nah, yeah. I was just, I, it kept going in my head that I that it needs to be promoted. Uh-huh. And I yeah. believe that I wanted to pull you up, yeah. but it didn't come up in the moment. Yeah. And I felt I like I was too shy to like mm-hmm. just take control of it. Right. I felt like I needed somebody to be like, I am yeah. not going to talk about it. I'm going to point at you and you're going to talk about yeah. it. But I also didn't know like when to do that. And so I didn't, I didn't feel like I could take the reins immediately. And I so mm-hmm. I felt like there needed to be not more teachership because I felt like there was the right amount of teachership, just like adjusted for the way that I normally yeah. interact, right, right, which right. is not any kind of pushy. Like, I'm not going to tell you about anything. If you want to come, that's great. But I'm not going <laughs> to tell you about it because like, because it freaks yeah. me out. Um, and that came into play. I felt like if I'd had that practice, maybe the evening would have been a little easier for me because I felt like I'm seeing mm. I was affecting quite a bit. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to introduce 10 shows. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. It's hard and it's awkward and I don't think I'm doing it the right way, yeah. but whatever. You did great. <laughs> yeah, you're great. And that that's totally a fake it till you make it. You don't yeah. have to, you don't have to mm-hmm. feel good about that. You did great. <laughs> like really? the you, the mm-hmm. flow of the show kept yeah. going. You were like excited about in- introducing people. Mm-hmm. You reacted to stuff that had just gone on. Like <laughs> you did great. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't even know if it's a fake it till you make it. I think it's just fake it like all the time. All the time. Me, you you know? it, yeah. Like yeah. it's it's one. It's another one of the yeah. things that I have learned from performance yeah. is just that there's like not that much that I've learned. I just go, just go and do it. it. I guess. Actually, and I don't think maybe I do a good job. even. I think MC is a character and a role, uh-huh. yeah. and the affectation is actually better. Yeah, I think there are times when I st- like I feel the difference between when I step up to do an intro and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do the intro, and I like go into Mount Cas mode, mm-hmm. yeah. which is better than when I go up there and be like, okay, I'm just Christina, like, mm-hmm. let me try to remember. Like, that's actually less useful in front of an audience yeah. than like putting on that affectation yeah. of like, I'm MC now. Yeah, <laughs> here's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Even if it's awkward, because yeah. that's what needs to happen. It made me a little nervous before the show, because when performers showed up, I was like, oh, shoot, this is my role right now, is to, like, be chatty and be excited for them so that they can feel excited and a part of this. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't even know what to say, because that's not me at all. I'm like the chill, wait for somebody <laughs> to talk to me, and then I will have the most animated conversation with you <laughs> that you want to have, but I don't, like, initiate hardly ever, and I felt like it was really difficult. But I'm was happy it... that it didn't show. That makes me <laughs> it didn't show. The only person who knew was Cameron because I had read all of the stuff to him beforehand. So he knew what calm RNA sounded like. And so he's like, I could tell you were nervous at the beginning. And that was it. Yeah. You so, did a great, you also yeah. did a great um, performer like circle up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you were, I think, because you were genuinely excited about yeah. the show. And, and that genuinely came grateful. And genuinely yeah. grateful yeah. that they were all there. And I think that came through. Okay. So, mm-hmm. like, I think it's like affectation plus finding your genuine voice and stuff, yeah. right? Because it's not like I was lying about it. Yeah. Because everything I said was right. exactly how I felt. It's just not the normal way that I portray it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's really interesting to be able to, 
like the opportunity to do this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it just shows you so much about yourself mm-hmm. and about the people around you, yeah. you know, and it gives you these opportunities to be grateful to people mm-hmm. and like opportunities to be, to be appreciative of people's creativity, which you don't always get to see. Like all those things are, are such beautiful moments that, uh, that, that are rare until we create these opportunities. You know, like seeing Brian read, uh, read a piece that you wrote. For I was the first just time. thinking that I've been waiting for him to like, you know, <laughs> I've been wanting him to like do a performance cause I wanted to hear what, what he's been writing. Yeah. And yeah. you know, sometimes it's just about opening the space. Mm-hmm. and giving people the opportunity you know inviting people to fill it yeah. and then you know you'll get an opportunity to see a side of people that you don't get it that you don't normally see in regular mm-hmm. interactions but also you get an opportunity to to yeah really like mm-hmm. offer some love that you don't get to yeah. uh, you don't have an opportunity or a reason to otherwise yeah, yeah I was gonna say I that's like, like the bonus success is mm-hmm. like when you're surprised by some what someone brings mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like genuinely yeah. delightful <laughs> You're just like, yeah. and like hezekiah was very calm and like reserved yeah. the whole night but when he talked about music he was so excited yeah. and so yeah. happy and i was like i love the fact that we have the context for the thing that you made mm-hmm. because like you get to see how passionate he was about it yeah. yeah which i thought was so great that completely ties into a deeply personal value that i have that i think also Monica has had which is like i have this framing for myself that i'm not a teacher or educator but that like I hold space for other people. I hold blank space for other people. And I think Mount Kaz does similarly where it's like, we just provide space and invitations and put out invitations and put out requests, like put out requests and put out like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you did the thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we're more successful than others <laughs> in enticing people to do it. Um, but we never know what's going to come out of it. And that's like the the greatest part, right? Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. there's truly blank space for people, you don't know what they're gonna come up with. Mm-hmm. And usually it's amazing. I don't know, usually. It's always amazing if you're like actually providing that space. And if, if your goal is if you're not trying to see something specific. Yeah. If you're not if you don't have some vision that you're trying to match but rather you really just want to have space that is filled by people mm-hmm. everything that people fill it with is you know again it's just like if you're fill- if you're opening a space for people to come and they're filling it with their humania humanity humanness humania is good too <laughs> we needed a little bit of humania yesterday <laughs> since all of our energy was different um but yeah if they fill it with their humanity like that's beautiful and that connection can happen and it's there. And so maybe that's what yeah. we also in offering more intern. If you want to do a Mount Kaz event production internship and have an idea for an event, <laughs> please contact us and uh, RNA will be your mentor. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> You've been listening to Dispatches from Mount Kaz, conversations from a creative community, recorded and produced at Mount Kaz Studios in Corvallis, Oregon. Check out the show notes for music credits and more information about the people and things we talked about.